This is The Good List. I'm Tish Hoxenreiter. This is a habit. When we first started homeschooling when we lived overseas, I did all my research and learned from smarter people who had been doing this for years. And one thing I knew I wanted to do was a thing called circle time. If you're in early childhood education of any sort, you know what this is. It's when the class literally circles up by sitting on the floor and you go through a set routine of things, usually to start your day. True to form with most new homeschoolers, I really overdid it at first. I had unreasonably high expectations. If you homeschooled for the first time in your life this past spring during the pandemic, when most schools around the world suddenly closed, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. My kids were little at this time. In fact, my oldest was literally in, quote, pre-K. Yep, before the formal school years in the U.S. even begin. But again, I was new at this, super eager, and I came into this brimming with high expectations. I wrote out a plan for circle time. We'd start with a little prayer, and then we'd mark the day and the date, including the year, on a Velcro fabric calendar. And then we'd state the weather, the season, and if there were any holidays coming up. And then I saw us moving into some sort of art study, maybe a famous work of art or an artist, a composer or symphony. And then we'd talk about it. And then we'd do some sort of memorization, a poem maybe, or a part of scripture. We'd then talk about what was on the docket for the rest of the day, math, history, science, and whatnot. And then we'd wrap up circle time with a read aloud, most likely a chapter book we were working through together. Keep in mind that my kids were four and two at the time. (laughs) So yeah, you can imagine how long this good intentioned idea lasted and how well it worked. Let's just say that by the end of things, what constituted circle time, if we ever did it at all, was talking about the day of the week, the season, the weather, and then a picture book, all while they were playing with something else so they wouldn't get distracted. Knowing what I know now, this actually was perfect and all they really needed in these early years, and that it was a really good thing for them to draw or play with Lego while they learned to sort of kind of sit still and listen quietly to someone else. It all worked out. And of course, by the time the youngest came along, it was a rare day when we managed to do an official circle time at all. We read all the time, we talked as we went, and it all went well. So fast forward to today, and those kids are 15, 12 and a half, and 10. And several years ago, I picked back up the idea of circle time and dusted it off. But of course, it would look completely different now. These kids were obviously older, but I was different too. Not saying I was completely wise in my ways, but I knew with more intention what my kids uniquely needed and didn't need. I had a different purpose and vision for the idea, and our school situation was different. Our kids went to a -a three-day-a-week school where they'd go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then they'd do their schoolwork at home on Mondays and Fridays. When they were at school, their days started and ended with things called launches and closes, where they'd gather with some of their peers and a teacher. They're called guides at the school. And they would bring up a topic of discussion, sometimes through something to read, other times through a video to watch, or sometimes even through games. This is a school focused on Socratic discussions, which basically means a lot of questions and answers, more than pure lecture time. So they'd talk about this idea for the first few minutes of their school day, and then wrap it up at the end during close. It'd be everything from current events to philosophical questions to the seven habits of highly effective people. And for the most part, all three of my kids really liked this part of their school day. So with our Mondays and Fridays at home, 
I wanted to incorporate a sort of version of that, but really more of a circle time still. And I'd recently read about a college that approached education Socratically that hosted for groups of their students what amounted to a type of elevated circle time. They'd all gather together, informally yet with an agenda, to talk about a set of ideas. And they called this gathering a symposium. I like the sound of that, at least more than circle time. And so an idea in our family was born. I'll get into the nuts and bolts of this idea in just a minute, right after a quick break to thank a sponsor. I'll be right back. So we all want to do the right thing to keep our bodies healthy in the long run. But even though we try and eat as balanced as possible, we're often still not getting all the daily essential nutrients we need. Well, Ritual wants to help you do just that with their obsessively researched vitamin for women. Ritual's Essentials contains the nutrients that we need most in clean, absorbable forms without shady additives or ingredients that can do your body more harm than good. Two easy-to-take capsules provide nine nutrients you need to support a strong foundation for your health. They're vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and have allergen-free ingredients, and their sources are all out there on the website for the world to see. I take my ritual vitamins in the evening as part of my bedtime routine, and I go to sleep knowing I'm getting what my body needs daily. So for just a dollar a day, you can have all the essential nutrients your body needs delivered to you monthly with no strings attached. And when you need to, it's super easy to pause your subscription at any time. Right now, you can get 10% off your first three months of Ritual Essentials. Visit ritual.com slash goodlist to start your own ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash goodlist. Okay, we're back. So, a symposium. What is this exactly, besides a fancy Greek-sounding circle time? Well, here are the four official dictionary definitions of the word symposium. One, a convivial party, as after a banquet in ancient Greece, with music and conversation. Two, a social gathering at which there is a free interchange of ideas. Three, a formal meeting at which several specialists deliver short addresses on a topic or on related topics. And four, a collection of opinions on a subject. If you smush all these definitions together, that's a roundabout way of describing what we do here. Maybe not so much an ancient Greek banquet, and it's not a formal meeting with several specialists. At a set time on set days, we'd all gather in the living room, and we'd work through a short agenda together focused on a collection of ideas. This collection was both informal and intentional, meaning it wasn't just a random, hey, how's everyone doing right now, check-in. But it wasn't so stiff that, you know, we had a gavel and a this meeting shall now come to order sort of thing. I'd change up what we would do from time to time based on the mood of the kids and me, the time of year, the business of our calendar, and what was on our minds. But they were predictable enough to have a rhythm the kids knew to expect. When things were just crazy busy, like during our oldest theater group show week, we had set aside symposium, and we wouldn't do them on holidays, like during Christmas break, or when we had out-of-the-ordinary stuff on the docket, like travel or just tons of errands to run that day. They weren't the boss of us. We were the boss of them. Or, more specifically, I was the boss of them, because I was the one spearheading this whole thing. But when life was pretty much normal, we would do symposiums regularly on Mondays and Fridays, usually late morning. 
I work from home. So I'd have already gotten a few hours of work in and the kids might have already done some school as well. They don't really start our days, but they give us an excuse to hit the pause button and then connect. And this has been our school year normal for the past several years. And of course, enter quarantine, right? Suddenly, like just about everyone else around the world, we were suddenly homeschooling five days a week. Since it was already a part-time part of our repertoire, thankfully it wasn't too much of a transition like I know it was for many other people. And one thing we kept going to keep a sense of normalcy intact was symposium. In the past, we'd often slow down on doing symposium during the summer, mostly because we all just want a break from the usual rhythm. But this isn't a normal summer, right? And right now, we're all craving rhythm, not trying to escape it. So we're doing our symposia right on through the summer this time. More so, in fact. We all crave it. So as a family, we're doing it about three times a week, about 30 minutes at a time, late morning when I take a break from my work. And so now, I'm bringing this idea back to you here. If you're craving a routine, a rhythm, a sense of normalcy to your days, and if you're wanting a predictable thing to do without a ton of work, maybe consider hosting regular family symposia. You can do literally anything based on your personality and preferences and your kids' ages and interests. Here is what we're currently doing during symposium in early summer 2020. So we first start with a short reading from the Bible. Lately, we've been going through Proverbs, but today I switched gears and read something from one of the Gospels, so we're flexible here. I read until there's a natural break in topic, and then we discuss it. Nothing terribly deep, but I'll ask questions to help with context, like when it was written and to whom, construct, what sort of literature is this, poetry, history, etc., and content, what is it actually saying? We then talk about how it could apply to our lives today, as in, exactly today. How can you apply this later on this afternoon? Then we move on to some sort of group continuing education. This summer, our family is working through this thing called The Art of Argument. It's published by Classical Academic Press. It's all about informal logic, meaning how to discuss and debate ideas well, and to reason with logic. I figured this is a good topic in light of all that's going on in the world these days, as well as it being an election year. So we're working through 28 logical fallacies, and so far our kids love this. This is nothing official, no homework, no writing. I just read from the book, and then we discuss the reflection questions together. I then talk about the day and what's on docket. We discuss what's on the chore checklist, which is always posted on the fridge, and what's on my work plate so they know my availability. And let me tell you, this was not possible when they were younger. And then we also talk about what's on their plates. Right now, in addition to chores, they also need to do continuing education on their own. One hour of a particular subject that's a challenge for them, so math for two of them and reading for one, and then another hour of learning a passion subject. This can be anything from an online watercolor class to reading about how to set up and perform magic tricks to working on your blog. These are all real-life examples in our family right now. In symposium, the kids each report what they're going to work on that day. And then at dinner, they share one thing they learned that day. And then finally, we wrap up symposium with either story time or a masterclass lesson. Yep, even with a teenager, we do family read aloud still, and I don't plan on ever stopping until I'm an empty nester. 
We're currently reading C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy, so I'll read aloud a chapter, or then we'll watch a class from a course we're taking together on Masterclass. Right now, it's the gardening class with Ron Finley, and once that's done, it'll then be the barbecue one with Aaron Franklin, who's actually local to us. So anyway, that's our current symposium rhythm, and it takes about 30 minutes. It might sound like a lot of work, and it might be at first, when you're creating new expectations and rhythms. This is a habit, after all. But it's really not an inconvenience for me, and the benefits far outweigh any negatives. Any day we do symposium, the kids are in better moods, and they get along better. It's actually kind of weird. In the past, we've done things like watch an on-this-day-in-history video, worked on logic puzzles, memorized times tables, studied a collection of artwork from a time period. We look at a piece of art I've pulled up on my laptop for like five minutes, and then close it and share what we noticed. Or even just simply read a news article from the morning and then talk about it. We've even just watched a TED talk together and talk about it and then call it good. Symposium provides structure and rhythm to your days and weeks. It gives you an excuse to connect during the humdrum of the day. And it fosters deeper thinking and connection in a low-key, informal, yet sort of formal way. Our kids truly love it, even during the summer this year. And I, for one, am really glad we're continuing them. We need them right now for sanity's sake. Hi, this is Maury. I'm calling from Washougal, Washington. And um, something that's getting me through this uh, quarantine social distancing time has been writing haikus. Um, I was challenged to write a haiku early on in this uh, quarantine time. And I loved it so much because it's like a puzzle. Um, five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. And I found that it's a really, um, it's so short. So it's not like I'm composing some big poem about how I'm feeling. It's just, a really small snippet about what I'm thinking about like something very small and um, it makes creativity accessible and not overwhelming and has actually helped me process through um, some of the challenging emotions that this time has brought up. So that's been what's getting me through is writing haikus. Thanks. I am on Twitter at Tish and sometimes on Instagram at Tish Oxenrider. And you can also find a transcript in the show notes of this episode, number 36 and all episodes at thegoodlistshow.com. That's also where you can find stuff like my newsletter, books, workshop, and more. A little reminder as well that you can pay whatever you want for my four-part audio series called Create Your Rule of Life, an easy, approachable, applicable workshop based on St. Benedict's Rule of Life. The summer might very well be that just right time for you to work on it. And hey, you could work on it together as a family. It's been so life-giving for me. So maybe it will be for you too, especially during these wild, unplannable times. A big thank you to Maury for sharing with us what's on her good list right now. Music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. And thanks, as always, to Caroline Tassell and Kyle Oxenreiter for their help, as well as my furry intern, Ginny. I'm Tish Oxenreiter, and I'll be back with you soon. Thanks for listening to The Good List.